Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. Teo and I have a friend, Matt, and bless his heart. Uh, so he sent me an interview, uh, sent me an audition, and I was beyond abusive to him about it. And w- one of the things that he had done was, it was interesting, he put himself on tape first before we talked about it, just because he wanted to just put on tape what his first instinct was. Well, the problem was in talking it out right away, as soon as he got the text, uh, um, he was married to it. And that's so interesting to me, and I hadn't really realized how much talking out becomes a part of you. And so if you talk something out right away, oddly enough, it begins to cement that performance. And if you haven't worked on it, uh, so you know what's going on, then you have a cemented performance that's based on no knowledge whatsoever. And he couldn't get out of it. Uh, He sent it to me, and I told him what was wrong with it, and then we worked on it, and then he sent it to me again. And it was, uh, I mean, it's like he, as Stella said to me once about a monologue I did in class, You've learned it badly too well, and I couldn't unlearn it. You know, so that was the thing. What's really interesting is he had an audition that he had to do very quickly yesterday. They sent it to him on Saturday. It was due, it's due in tomorrow morning, but he's shooting a film in Los Angeles today, so he wasn't going to have time. And he almost thought about not doing it. Said, "No, no, no, no. It's it's fine. It's for um, that series, Gilded Age, or whatever it is." And I said, "No, no. It's too big a series." And I said, "But we will talk about it beforehand." So we talked about the character. He's multimillionaire. He's the richest man in New York, and it's 1900. And so we just we we, we talked about it. And then, very interestingly, the guy that put him on tape was an actor, and he included the whole audition for me, including the improvisation they did going into the audition. And it was like night and day. I mean, it was brilliant. It was so good because he trusted it. He trusted what he talked out was getting him into the zone of of what the play was about. Um, and which brings up the other thing. I, I think when we go through all these weird things that you have to know as an actor, like what's good theater and how big something is that you're building, the other thing is you have to trust your work. And I, I think for, for those of you who can achieve that, you know, my hat is off to you because it just takes a while before you say, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Now I'm going to do it. Um, and I think that's that's another thing. And that's that's something Matt was able to do. I was, I was shocked. I'd all but given up on him. Well, because he was the actor that had sent me an audition 
He did this all the time. He'd send in an audition, then send it to me. And I thought, you know how I abused you. Why would you send it to me afterwards? And then I'd say things to him like, uh, why were you smiling? Why did you smile there? And he said, uh, well, I just thought he'd smile there. And, and then he did the same thing on that first audition that he sent in. I said, what the hell was that about? And he said, well, I wanted to show a different emotion. But you see what I mean? As soon as you start saying things like, I wanted to show a different emotion, you will then perform it. So I think that's, you know, I mean, those become all those sort of things that, uh, it's what Teo is saying, it's deciding in advance how to play it. Deciding in advance how to play it is clearly the kiss of death. All right, anybody else thoughts? Uh, I wanted to ask you something. I started this process of talking out, and I didn't, like you said, I, I didn't plan anything. I don't have an idea of how it should be or it should work. I'm just working on the relations with the facts and stuff. But there's something I was thinking about, which is like the thing of, 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 of upping the stakes of something. Mm. Like, for example, the guy of the monologue, he has a relationship that is a failed relationship and he has a kid and, uh, and he doesn't separate because he doesn't want to, to be far from his kid. But it's much more than that because he's an author and he has been living the memories of a past relationship, and he hasn't been able for 10 years to overcome that. So he's stuck in a relationship from the past. So the fact that he's living this failed relationship in a way is much bigger because he's an artist, because he's a writer, because he thinks the world in a certain way. So um, what I do is I, I try to create that and try to build that but sometimes I, I get afraid that I will make it too dramatic in a way make it too big that it's it's it kind of makes me almost Shakespearean in a way you know yeah with the stuff and how to work with that how to know if you're not going too far well first of all that's one of the things I was talking about in terms of having that sense of what is good theater. You know, the story that I heard long before I met Stella, I learned in college, my college, the head of my department was a Stanislavski expert. In fact, I think he did a translation of Stanislavski that's lost somewhere in his archives. Anyway, but he said that when Stanislavski and Stella were working, they had outlined the system of acting, that outlined things, and apparently there were circles on a chart someplace, which I doubt is true, but I never asked Stella because it's such a good story. And each circle had something defined, given circumstances, character, character past, character traits. Anyway, so they had these things all over the place, and presumably there was a circle with nothing in it. And presumably, Stella said to Stanislavski, what is that? To which he responded, 
apparently. I don't know what that is, but I do know that if you don't have that, it doesn't matter how much of the rest of it you have. And I'm more and more, I think maybe there's a book called The, the Circle with Nothing in It, and trying to figure out what goes in that circle. So for a while, I just said, well, and clearly that's your talent, but I think it's more than that. I think it's all these things. I think it's the sense you have of what's good theater. But backing up from that, I think it's a very profound question. I think we will continue exploring this question for a long time, which is how do you build the subconscious of your character? And it seems to me that it's, it is still a matter of talking out. It is a matter of... See, here's what happens to me when I talk out. And I think it happens to you. And I think it's an important issue. And, and there are all these things. There's m me talking out my character. And me understanding or connecting as me, the actor, connecting. But then there's a point where I have to move into the character and how the character sees the world. And it, it depends on how difficult or easy it is for you to merge into another character. And I think it changes from character to character, and I think it changes from year to year depending on how experienced you are. So I think there are people who can just right away, just, you know, right away get the point of view of the character and see the world the, the way the character does so they don't have to go through an added step. But that still gets us to what am I talking about and what is really going on? The, these two huge areas. So this what is really going on, it seems to me as if I also build by talking out. But I have to build what my character thinks about it, responds to about it. I can't forget this relationship. I can't forget my my old lover is like the etude. I can't forget her. I I see her and then just go and free associate, as my friend Be uh, Deb has her uh, writers do in her writing class, automatic writing. You know she just keeps writing, just keep writing, don't stop. If you write Beatles lyrics, fine. Just don't stop. And it's a similar sort of thing. Just keep going. See where it goes. You know, you'll know when you're lying. I remember when, and if I'm lying, I'll go, no, wait a minute. Let me go back. Let me find that again. And so I keep building that. And then I began, because I talked it out, 
I begin to own this subconscious thing going on with him all the time. And so I have that kind of peace. And then I build another piece. So then I think to myself, so maybe now I'll build, I'll build the wife. Since I built this fantasy relationship practically, I'll build the wife. And then I say, okay, I've done that. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let that gestate, let that simmer for the rest of the day. I Don't Need an Acting Class is hosted and created by Milton Justice. Senior producer is me, Walker Vreeland. Director of online media is Evan Sollers. And music is by Jeffrey Keezer. The opening piece tomorrow is from his latest album, Playdate, featuring Shedrick Mitchell on organ, Ron Blake on sax, Richie Goods on bass, Ayushi Karnick and Nir Felder on guitar, and Kendrick Scott and Manyungo Jackson on drums. And what you're hearing now is M's Bedtime Blues from the same album. You can find out more about Jeffrey Keezer on his website, jeffreykeezer.com. That's Jeffrey with a G-E-O. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps us reach more people, makes a huge difference. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at I Don't Need an Acting Class. And please continue to send your acting questions, comments, reflections to Milton at questionsformilton at gmail.com. Again, that's questionsformilton at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. 